This is my, my good friend, uh, Forky. How many know who Forky is? Uh, are you, do you, does anybody know who Forky is in the house? Familiar with Forky? All the, all the parents with kids raise their hand. Everybody else is a little confused right now. But this is Forky. Uh, Forky has a... a uh, he has a, a, neuro, a psychological and neuropathic uh, predisposition for trash. He, that's Forky. Listen, what's important about Forky is this. It is from the movie Toy Story. And what, what, what you need to know about Forky is that Forky was formed out of the garbage. Forky was created from garbage. And because of that, throughout the the movie, Forky takes every opportunity to jump in any trash can he sees. Literally through through the movie Toy Story 4. Anybody up here know which one it is? Is it the fourth? Toy Story 4. Forky, you'll just be going along in the story, and Forky will see a trash can off in the distance, and he'll he'll literally stop, and he'll stop what he's doing, and he'll say, trash, 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 and then Forky will then proceed to jump in the trash. He'll jump in the trash, and Andy, in the story, spends most of his time rescuing Forky from the trash, pulling him out of the trash. And when I saw this, I thought to myself, I feel like Forky a lot. I feel like Forky a lot. Because just like Forky, my experiences in life have developed a psychological, neuropathic predisposition to jump in the trash. There are times when I'll be going along in life, and even though I know Jesus took me out of the garbage, and I'm going to share those scriptures with you in a minute, even though I know that Jesus took me out of the garbage, it's hard to get the garbage out of my mind. There's the, because there is a neuropathic connection that happened to me as a, as a little, before I was even born, my father threw me in the trash. Not literally, but he, he just disposed of me. He was never there. And I, listen, I'm not hating on my dad. There's a, there's a, the second part of that story is amazing. I'm going to share that with you at the end of this. So, so don't, don't, don't get it messed up here. Like, like I, but, but like it or not, man, people, people will throw you in the garbage. And, and to think that that does not have an effect on how you feel about you is a lie. Because I was 37 years old, and I was still, I'm 50, I'm, how old am I? 49. I'm 49 years old. And I'm still, I'm still reconnecting neuropathic pathways of healing to tell myself to stay out of garbage cans. There are times when I'll be in a room 
and I'll feel like I'm not even good enough to be in a room. I'll put myself in a garbage can. There'll be times when I walk into a place and they'll be talking over there and my neuropathic pathways will tell me those people don't, don't want me here. Go put yourself in the garbage can. It's, it's real. And, and you say, well, nobody's ever put me in the trash can. Well, well hold on. People have a proclivity for trash. So they're, they're eventually somebody somewhere, some situation is going to put you in the trash can. And if you're not careful, you'll allow your neuropathic pathways to connect in your mind and, and create a psychological disposition to always put yourself in the trash can. And I want you to know it, and I want you to say it with me today because this is because it's, it's like we have to do this. Like, say it. I'm not not trash you're not trash amen that's the best I'm not trash that's awesome just like Bonnie lifted Forky out of the trash Jesus lifted you and me out of the trash and there's some scriptures I want to share with you let me pull this down here for you. There's some scriptures I want to share for you. I wrote them down. They're going to put them on the, on the screens for you. But these scriptures, the first one I want you to take a look at with me is Psalms 40, verse 2. It says this about, about you and me. It says that, that Jesus lifted us out of the horrible pit of trash. The hor- he lifted us out of the horrible pit of the miry clay. That's, that's the trash. He lifted us out and he, and he set our feet. On the solid rock, he established our footsteps. I want you to know that he lifted you out of it. And even though you've been lifted out, your mind wants you to go back to it. And even though you've been lifted out, you still, you still have to overcome the thoughts in your mind that tell you that you still exist and live in that place. You don't live there anymore. Jesus lifted you out of that place. What Jesus wants to do today for you he wants to reconnect, he wants to sever the old neural pathways that tell you you're trash, and he wants to reconnect them and tell you you're his treasure. So every time he wants to, he wants to reconnect those pathways that reinforce you, no, you're not trash, you're my treasure. In Psalm 139, verse 14, look at what he says. He said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Bonnie made, Bonnie made Forky out of the garbage. Jesus has this wonderful way of taking all of the garbage that, 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 like, that, that's ever happened to us and, and custom building us for, our, for right now. Like, just like Bonnie took Forky, Jesus takes every shameful, rejected moment of your life and he custom builds you and redeems you and he, and he, and he fits you. And it says this about you. He says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's one thing to be made. It's another thing to be fearfully made. I mean, what does that even entail? I'm fearfully made? Yeah, yeah. God made me. You should be afraid of me. If God makes something, you better reverence it. That's what the scripture's saying. If God made you, you're scary to the enemy. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by the hand of God. The crafter of the world put himself, he put his hands on you and he put you together. And no negative situation could ever overcome how he put you together. He'll use all the trash 
of your life. He'll use every negative experience, every word of scorn, every ridicule that ever the enemy ever had brought upon you, the rejection of your parents, like situations and circumstances, the firing from a job. He'll take all of those things. And he said, I fearfully and wonderfully made you in my image and in my likeness. And you've been created for good works. That's what the Bible says. Look at, look at this scripture. It's found in Jeremiah. You know this one. He says this. He says, I, I think about you. Think about this the next time. The next time you start thinking negatively about you, just know that God's thinking about you. And these are God's thoughts to you, that he wants to give you peace. That he wants you to have hope. That he wants you to have a future and a purpose. He doesn't want you out here without hope. He doesn't want you out, want you out here anxious. He, wa- he wants you to be at peace and at rest. And he, he wants you to feel good about life. He wants you to wake up tomorrow knowing God has got my future, future in his hand. He's blessed me. He's got, his hand, he's got his hand on me. And he's blessing my future. Ephesians 2.10 says this. For we know... He says, for we are his, what? We are his workmanship. I'm his workmanship. You're his workmanship. I'm created in Christ Jesus. For what? For something good. You say, don't tell me that, preacher. My life's been nothing but a dump truck of bad up till now. But I want you to know that you're just looking at it because your neuropathic pathways have been connected and it's forcing your eyes to see it as bad. But I want you to know God's created you for good. He's got a good future in front of you. He's got, he's got a hopeful future in front of you. He wants to do amazing things with you. He said, God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. God's got, God's got a good future for you. Not, not, not a future of trash. He's got a future that's, that's full. It's full of his promises. It's full of his joy. It's full of his favor. He said, well, it doesn't feel like that now. Well, just hold on by faith. Don't let go. Don't allow the neuropathic pathways to tell you a lie and, and begin to set the narrative for your, the story of your life to ever be that way. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone who is in Christ... He's a what? He's a new creation. You're brand new. The old things, they're gone. All of the trash. Now, I just want you to, with me, just begin to, just take the trash, just like all the old things that attempted to define you. He said all the old things are gone. All of the trash is gone. I'm doing a new thing with you. All the old things are over. Behold the goodness of God for you and me. Isaiah says this. Look at what the prophet said. He said, stop remembering the former things. Don't consider the things of old. I'm doing a new thing, and it's going to happen. It's going to spring forth, and you're going to know it, and I'm, I'm so committed to it. Look at how committed he is to it. He's so committed to it that he'll make roads in the wilderness for you. He'll make streams in the desert just for you. He's so committed to what he created that he won't let you live a trash can life. He won't let you stay in the trash. There there are four things that Jesus does. Four things that he does for me that immediately lift me out of the trash can. 
the first thing he does, it's found in the story of the sinful woman in Luke 7. And, and I just want to, I'm going to tell you the story and then you can go back and read it later. But Luke, go to Luke 7, verse 50. Put that on the, on the screen for me. Luke 7, verse 50 says, he said to the woman, look what he said to her, your faith has what? Saved you. Now, before I go any further, I want you to understand what that word saved means. It means cure, heal, restore, redeem, rescue. Your faith has rescued you from the trash can, right? But what's interesting about the word is it's tense, meaning it's, it has a past tense, present tense, future tense application. So, so when he says to her, your faith has saved you, he's telling her this, I washed away yesterday, I'm washing away right now, and I'm preparing to wash away the future. He's like, what he's telling her is like, you, you are forgiven from yesterday. You are for, I'm dealing with you right now, and I'll always be there for you in the future. You are saved yesterday. You are saved right now, and there's nothing you can do that's going to prevent me from rescuing you from your trash can tomorrow. No matter where you go, no matter what situation, no matter what lie comes to you, no matter what trash can you climb into, this is Jesus' commitment to you. No matter what trash can in life you climb into, I'm always going to rescue you from it. I'll rescue you from yesterday's trash can, right now's trash can, and tomorrow's trash can. There's not a place you can go that I won't rescue you from. I am committed to you. I'm going to see you become everything I spoke over you. You will make it. You're going to live and not die. You're going to proclaim the wonderful works of Jesus. I'm for you, not against you. I love you. You're the head and not the tail. You're blessed when you go in. You're blessed when you go out. You got favor on your life. You got victory on your life. This is what Jesus is saying to her in this moment there's no trash can that can triumph over you there's four things that he did for her that I resonate with so much the first one is his look his look because if you go and you read the story it says this in the story it says he spoke to Simon while he was looking at her He, and you just need to know this. She, you see, there are four things. His look, his touch, his protection. And, 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 my, my, and, his, and his affirmation. Yeah. These are the four things we look for everywhere else and come to Jesus for last. And, and we go looking everywhere else for these four things. And, and what we find ourselves in is the trash can. And then we come back just like this woman. It says she was a woman. You know, she was a sinful woman. She, she, was, she was connected. She came from trash. Trash. Gonna be trash. All she knows is trash. 
treated like trash, lived in trash, came from the side of the tracks of trash, and she walks into a room because there's this religious meeting going on, which, you know, was like confounding to me that she would walk into a room in the middle of like, you know, a, a crusade, right? She walks in the room with all these religious people, and she, and she, she, had, she developed the courage to somehow walk in because she heard somewhere along the line that this man... God called Jesus uh, has this way of making all things new. She must have heard about him. And so she said, man, I'm, I, I'm trash. All I'm going to be is trash. My only hope is Jesus. Finally, she got it right. She walks through the door and she, she begins to, and here's what's interesting. She, she finds Jesus. Now, now, the fact that she had the courage enough to walk in the room is one thing. And then, and then to walk up to Jesus in the moment, get down on her knees and begin to weep. And then as she weeps, she, she began to to wipe his feet clean with her hair and 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 because here's the thing like she received forgiveness before Jesus ever gave it to her because she walked in the room knowing that tells me this that there is this spirit of freedom that's associated like if you can get close to Jesus He'll set you free before you even, like, say it with your mouth. He'll do a work in you before you even know what he's doing in you and can cognitively, like, define it or articulate it. Because she walks into a room. Jesus didn't tell her she was forgiven. She sensed her forgiveness. She sensed his, his, his freedom that was available to her. And so she begins to weep because then he says, listen, you know, to, to the one who has been forgiven much, oh, loves that much. He just loves that much. She falls down and she doesn't. But there's this moment where he begins to rebuke the room while looking at her. And I want to tell you today, like, if we can just stop trying to get everyone else to look at us and just capture the gaze of Jesus. I'm telling you, when you feel like you're you're trash, when you feel like they don't want you and they reject you and you're not worth it and you don't got it, I'm just telling you, if you'll just commit to lock eyes with Jesus. Every time I'm in his presence, I see him, he looks at me, and his luck begins to heal me. It heals me of all of their ridicule, all of their scorn, all of their rejection. I become healed in an instant just from him looking at me. And one once you capture the look of Jesus, the look of man will matter not to you. You will stop looking for thumbs up. You'll stop looking for check marks. You'll stop looking to, like, you know, like trying to earn it. You'll just, you'll just realize you can't. I'm made already. There's nothing you can do to defeat me. I am, I am, not, I am crucified with Christ. I'm in him, and then nothing you say can affect me. And it, once you get his look to be upon you, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like a father looking at his children. When I look at my children at times, and fathers know this, there are times when you'll look at your children and you just have deep, just this deep pride when you look at them. There's some things that my daughter will do that'll just, that'll just invoke my pride. I'll just, I'll just look at her and I'll smile from across the room and I'll go, yeah, you're a chip off the old block. 
There are some things that my son will do, and I'll just, I'll just look with admiration and say, you look, yeah, I, I, I see you, son. I see you, daughter. And I'm telling you, there's nothing more fulfilling than to have your father look at you. I mean, when we're kids, we play sports, and all we're looking for is somebody. You look, I would watch Jeremiah play, and there are times when Jeremiah would be out there, and he was a big man. I mean, it's just, they call him the war machine. He'd be out there playing football, and there were times in the game where he would look up and I could lock eyes with him and I would just, he would see the look in my eyes of love and, and admiration and pride and, and it, it would say and what it would do for him is it would, just, it would just make him stronger it would make him more determined and if you could just lock eyes with Jesus it'll make you stronger it'll make you more determined to hold on to the promises of God but what we gotta do is stop falling in love with the gaze of this world it's got nothing for you man they look at you a different way. You know, she was a woman of the night, so they were looking at her one way, but Jesus was looking at her a different way. They were all looking at her like, ooh, look at that. Jesus was looking at her like, ooh, look at my daughter. Ooh, she's powerful. And so this world, this world will look at you to steal from you, but Jesus will look at you to give to you. And you got to lock eyes with Jesus every morning, every day, especially when you feel like God, especially when you feel like life is trying to put you in the trash can. In that moment, I want you to realize you got to look up and say, Jesus, I need you to look at me right now. And you need to understand that his eye is on the sparrow and he cares about you. And if he cares about birds, let me tell you something. He cares about you. He cares about you. If he attends the funerals of birds, he's there for you. His eye is watching you. He's not lost his, his gaze upon you. He is watching every moment of your life. And then there's his touch. It says that she, it never says that he touched her. But we know he did. We know he did. Because she was transformed, and transformation does not come without a touch from heaven. It says that she touched him. Here's what I want you to realize. We're not strong enough, anointed enough, holy enough, smart enough, strong enough to touch him. It was her faith that touched him. And when her faith touched him, it caused virtue to touch her. And when he touched her, other people had touched her. She had had the affection of, of hopefully it wasn't anybody in that room, right? But we learned today. That's the Lord rebuking me and telling me to move on. But others had touched her. Oh, they touched her. They touched her to take from her. And Jesus touched her to heal her. Not everybody that's touching you is trying to give to you. And I don't want you to hate them. I just want you to understand that they have a predisposition to take. Just like you, just like me. They have a predisposition to take, take, take. This world wants to touch. Oh, it wants to touch our children. It want, I mean, this world wants to steal, kill, and destroy like no time ever before in history. But, but what it can't do, we're, we're looking for the world to touch us. But when the world touches us, what we realize is the, the world steals from us. It takes away our energy. 
It steals our, our purity. It steals our, our, our holiness. It takes from us. But when Jesus touched me, there's this old song that says he touched me. Oh, he touched me, man. I remember when he touched me. He didn't just heal me. He made me whole when he touched me. He touched me. He touched me on the head. We're looking for preachers to touch us on the head. But if you can get Jesus to touch you, he'll, he'll not only touch you on the head, but he'll reach down in and touch the parts of your heart that have, that have rejected man. He'll reach down in and he'll touch the parts on the inside of you. In the recesses of your mind, he'll begin to touch the neural pathways and reconnect them in a way that makes you understand you are not trash you are my treasure then he every time I'm in his presence he makes me feel safe I've I've never been in Jesus' presence and felt unsafe Every time I've been in his presence, whether it was five minutes away from sin or 200 days, he covered me. He covered me. Religion wants you to think that he's there to expose you. Religion, the religious people in that room uncovered her. And, and put shame on her. Jesus, the only, the only one holy enough, took himself and covered her. And if we could just stop trying to cover ourselves up with performance... And stop looking for somebody to keep us safe other than Jesus. I want you to know today, your, your husband loves you. Man, I, I'm telling you, I love me some Rebecca. And, and if you would ever attempt to, that would be the last thing you did. I mean, I, I, but I want you to know... I am not strong enough to protect her the way that she deserves. I am not strong enough to cover her with my own strength. And I want you to just let go of the expectation of the people around you and stop expecting them to do what only Jesus can do. And I mean to tell you only Jesus can protect you. The government can't do it. No man, no side of the aisle can do it. There's no one strong enough to do it. Only Jesus is strong enough to cover you, keep you covered today, keep you covered from yesterday, cover you tomorrow. He's the only one strong enough. To keep you covered. He said, he said, love covers a multitude of sin. It never exposes. And here's how you can test the waters of whether Jesus is there or not. Are they exposing or are they covering? 
Here's how you can discern whether or not you are of the spirit of Jesus or not. Are you exposing or are you covering? And I don't care what religion tells you. All the religious men in that room, all, the, all of them wanted to expose her. All of them wanted to uncover her. They, they were snickering over in the corner. If Jesus was as holy as he thought, he would know what kind of trash is touching him right now. And Jesus took that instant to take himself and wrap her in his love, his covering, his protection. And then lastly, his words of affirmation. Have you ever had someone tell you genuinely that you admire, right? Someone that you genuinely admire. I'm 49 years old. I still long I long for this. I look on Facebook for it. I open my, I'll open my phone when I leave here today, and I'll look for it. And that's the affirmation of a father. The affirmation of a father. There's something so powerful. When your father says, well done, well done, son. The nod of a father, the, the, the words of a father spoken over his son or his daughter is so powerful. Those words are so penetrating. They go deep into me. They give me confidence and strength to know that I'm doing it right. And as strong as... My dad's dead. But there are other fathers I have. I have other fathers. Probably the, the one that matters the most is Dr. Kayton. I'm 49. I feel like a child looking for his father. Affirm me. Affirm me. Affirm me. Affirm me. Say something good. Did he say something good? And you say, but what it indicates is if you can get Jesus, if you can, if you can stop paying attention, Troy, don't look for their affirmation. I know, I know it means a lot to you. I know that, I know that it means a lot to you. But whether they do or whether they don't, I want you to know, Troy, I'm proud of you. There was a moment in the service in Lorraine today where I sat there and I heard Jesus tell me, I'm so proud of you. He began to affirm me in that moment and, and suddenly all of the insecurities in my life came off of me. Every, all the garbage washed away from me. I stepped forward in pride and I said, thank you, Jesus. That's what I live for. I know, I know, I know it means a lot coming from great men of God, great, great women of God. I look for it. I love it. I'm happy with when, you, when you're happy and pleased. But, but listen, I can't live for your, your applause. I can't live for your affirmation. It's him and him alone. If he says good and well done, my servant, if he, I, I long for the day where I get there and he says, enter in, my good and my faithful son. You did well in the earth. And I'm telling you, you don't have to wait to heaven to get it. You don't have to wait for heaven to get it. 
If you could just lock eyes with him. If you could just, just by faith say, I'm here, Jesus. And if you just look to him, I'm telling you, he will begin to speak over your life like no man or woman ever has. It will change the destiny and the course of your life for, for greatness. If you'll just listen for it. He's saying it. He said it in that room when it was full of reproach, when it was full of condemnation and shame. He looked at her and he affirmed her. He said, woman, which is to say, my, my daughter, your faith, your faith has saved you. Which leads me to this. Just faith. Just faith in his look. Faith in his touch. Faith in his protection. Faith in what he has to say. Just put your faith in Jesus. He wants to lift you out of the trash cans of life and put you in the treasure chest of life. He's just looking to put you on the path of righteousness. But here's what she had to do. It's what we all have to do today. This brings me to the story of my father. I was 37 years old, didn't realize, I didn't even know that I lived with such psychological, neuropathic predisposition to trash. I wasn't even aware of it. He walks into my office, I'm grown, my children are almost all grown, and he's weeping. And he says... I need you to forgive me. And up to that point, I, I had. I, I, I wasn't mad. I wasn't bitter. I, I, I just could take them or leave them. You know, like, hey, man, like, it's cool. I love you. Don't worry about it. But I heard the voice of the Lord tell me, only you can take them out of the trash can. Your forgiveness, your forgiveness and if you don't let him out of his trash can, I can't let you out of yours. And right in that moment, I said, Dad. And I, I meant it. I said, Dad, you don't ever have to worry. We don't ever have to have this discussion again. You are forgiven today, tomorrow, yesterday. You are forgiven. I love you. And he said, here's how you know when, when it's real. He said, okay, well, what can I do? What can I do then to, like, make up for, you know, what happened? And I said, well, my mom is my only real worry. I want her, I don't want her to grow old alone. So here's what I want. And I was half joking. I was half joking. But I said, hey, if you really mean it, go back and marry my mom. Which is, I don't even, like, I don't, <laughs> it was kind of crazy that I said it, right? It was kind of crazy that I said it. And uh, you know this, man, this is the power of forgiveness. This is how strong, this is the power of, of, of forgiveness. That man spent the next six years of his life wooing my mom. Now, she wasn't having none of it. You know? <laughs> but I want you to know the power of forgiveness will make a man fall in love again. He went back to her, and every day, every week, he'd stop at the house, and he'd drop off a bag of Skittles or something for Precious, you know. Like, and and the, our, our, our last six years together, God did something amazing 
through that forgiveness. And, and I, I, today, I miss him so much. If you were to ask me, can you remember anything negative? I'm telling you, Jesus took it all away from me. He took it all away. I, I, all of it, he took it all away. I can't think negatively about him. And I want you to know, if God did that for me, he could do that for you. And if you want, listen, if you want out of the trash can, here's the simple truth. She had to forgive the entire room before she could get what Jesus had. And, and I just know this. I've been doing this for so long that I know there's unforgiveness in this room. There's unforgiveness in our hearts towards our brothers, sisters, moms, dads. And, and here's what I want you to understand. Just like you, somebody put them in the trash. If you trace the trash back, the trash can back far enough, you will see that somebody put my dad in the trash. And when I came along, he wasn't able to see me as a treasure. He ran from me as, and discarded me. But that's not, his, that's not for him to carry. And I want us to all just say, okay, they're forgiven. They're forgiven because we all have this Right? We all have this predisposed, neuropathic, psychological proclivity towards garbage. Our parents had it. And maybe you say, no, my parents don't have it. Maybe, but, but other people will. Eventually, somebody's going to put you in a trash can. And I want you on that day to realize they're not your enemy. That you don't have to hate them. You don't have to hold anything against them. As a matter of fact, your liberty depends on your forgiveness on them. And, and Jesus touching you and healing you and keeping you whole. You know, Jesus keeping you out of the trash can yesterday. Jesus taking you out of the trash can right now. And Jesus taking you out of the trash can tomorrow is dependent upon whether or not you'll forgive. So with me, can you stand to your feet? And let's close like this. Close like this. Let's empty the trash today, amen? Let's empty the trash. So we close like this. We're going to put all of our faith in Jesus. We're not going to look like we're going we're gonna to make a covenant together today that we are not no longer are we looking to this world or to man for anything that only God can provide. So we only want the look of Jesus. I don't want the touch of man. I want the touch of Jesus. I don't want the protection of man. No, thank you. Just give me Jesus. I don't need the covering. I'm not looking for anyone in this room to cover me. If you do, that's cool. But if you don't, listen, it's okay. I'm just looking to Jesus. I don't need your words. It's okay if you speak well. But I don't need them. I just need his. If we make that covenant together, here's what I promise. I promise he'll lift us out of the garbage can. He'll renew our mind. He'll reinforce that we're treasures. We are treasure. You are treasure. You're God's treasure. But here it is. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room, 
and you know you have to forgive someone. You know that you're in a trash can and you continue to put yourself in a trash can because you hold unforgiveness right now. Just, just forgive them. We forgive our brothers, our sisters, cousins, nieces, uncles, moms and dads of no matter what they did. We lift them out of the trash can with our forgiveness. And now I pray. Lock eyes with Jesus. Jesus touch. Jesus cover. Jesus speak over your people. Thank you, Jesus. You're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus. Look at me. I'm going to say this. I'm saying this with love. There's only two. You've got two choices today. You're going to heaven or you're going to hell. You say, I don't believe that. I don't care what you believe. You, can, you, you, can be, you don't have to believe in gravity, but if you jump off this building, it'll prove itself to you. I don't care what you believe. I'm telling you, listen to me. You are either going to heaven, and, and it's, more about going to he- it's more about bringing heaven here than going there, but, but you know, like, you either have heaven at your disposal or you're destined for hell. How do you know if you're destined for hell? You have not received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord. That's it. I can't, and I can't, I can't Mickey Mouse around with that. I have to tell you, there's no middle place. There's no waiting to make the decision. You're walking out that door today. You're walking out saved or you're walking out going to hell. And I say that with my heart and I'm telling you, don't you dare walk out that door without first giving your heart to Christ. Please, I'm telling you, just just give Jesus one chance. Just give him one chance, man. If you'll just give him one chance, okay, Jesus, I'm telling you the most dangerous prayer to pray is this. If you're real, Jesus, show yourself to me. Come on, everybody with me? Say it. Jesus, if you're real, show yourself to me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room and you've never given your heart to Jesus, pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me my sin. Come into my heart. I repent of my sin. Now make me brand new. I am brand new. Take my life. Change this world. All for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you put your hands together for Jesus as we close? Altar ministers are coming forward now. If you gave your heart to Jesus, we want to pray for you. If you're here today and you need prayer in your body, we'd like to pray for you as well. Before you go that way, please allow our people to come this way. God bless you. I love you. I'm praying for you. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for being part of our Sunday morning service. We'll see you Wednesday afternoon, 7 o'clock. Wednesday evening, 7 o'clock. God bless you.